welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of February 27, 2020. The American Council of the Blind held its winter board meeting, leadership meeting, formerly called the Affiliate Presidents Meeting, legislative seminar, and visit to Capitol Hill this past weekend, February 22-25, to 25, in Alexandria, Virginia. At the board meeting on Saturday, ACB Next Generation became the newest special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. We'll chat with KCB's own Amanda Selm, the Next Generation leader, at the end of this page, page one. Patty Cox and Debbie Persons from Louisville and Shirley Kane from Bellevue represented the Kentucky Council of the Blind this year at the meetings in Virginia. Listen on page two as they tell us about the issues and their experiences on Capitol Hill. Looking for some good books to read? At its roundabout on every fourth Friday of the month, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind invites participants to share books they've read. Find out what's good and what's not so good, and where each book can be obtained, Bard, Bookshare, etc. This week, on page 3, you'll hear recommendations from the January 24 page-turners. There are certainly some Kentucky connections this time. And on page 4 is the Sound Prince calendar. On the phone with me is Amanda Selm. She has been chair of the ACB Next Generation Committee, and as of this past Saturday, February 22, the status of that committee changed. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, Carla. It's good to be here. Tell me about what happened this last Saturday and um, what's going on with Next Generation. Well, for the past 18 months, ACB Next Generation has been a committee within ACB, and this past Saturday, the on uh, 2-22-20, which is kind of cool, uh, the board voted us to become an affiliate of ACB, which is amazing, and we are so excited. Now, to become an affiliate, you've been you've been working on this throughout this 18 months, and so tell us about that process, to what has made this, this exciting change happen. Well, it all started um, when I appointed a steering committee, and we started uh, acting like a board, like I appointed someone to take the role as our treasurer, someone to take a role as our secretary, and then... This past year, um, at the convention, I discovered there were more things that needed to be delegated out. So I added more people to our steering committee um, that chaired subcommittees, like our fundraising, our programming, and our constitution and bylaws. Each of those committees have been working extremely hard on their tasks, and we also have a PR committee as well. forgot to add them in there. And the Constitution and Bylaws Committee, I think, has been the busiest because they've been putting together our Constitution and bylaws. That's kind of what they've been doing. So they've spent a lot of long hours on the phone um, working on that. And then our committee has also 
been working very hard to bring programming to the 2020 convention as well. And so now Next Generation is the newest special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. You'll be getting your charter in Schomburg this summer, and uh, that will be a very, very exciting time. It's, it's, yes, it's been, it will. It's been quite some time since we've chartered a special interest affiliate, so we're just really excited about it. And you know what's really neat is that that affiliate has grown out of the Kentucky Council of the Bond Next Generation efforts that um, you all have been so involved with here since 2014, and we're just real pleased to, to see it all happen. Oh, it's it's very exciting to watch it evolve and, um, you know, take what we're doing here on the state level and take it to the national level. And, you know, what's interesting is there's already talk of People have already been asking, well, how can we get this in our our state affiliates as well? Mm-hmm. That's that's even better. Yes. Well, at this point, I would say you've probably got, what, around 28, 30 members so far? Yes. Yes, I would say 30 right now. Mm-hmm. That's good. And all the publicity, I saw your note on leadership um, just the last little bit since the since the board meeting and that always as usual that looks good and i think that'll pull in more people uh, do you have some plans yet for for the 2020 convention anything firmed up you can tell us about or or in the works that looks looks like it's going to going to come to fruition well we're planning to repeat a, a happy hour meet and greet at the uh, hotel Mm-hmm. Uh, like we did last year, it'll be at the uh, Gather Bar at the hotel at the Renaissance in Schomburg. And that is actually going to be on Tuesday evening before the auction, 4.30 to 7 p.m. And um, that was a huge success for us last year when we were in Rochester because we had people that came and stayed the entire time. We had some that just dropped by because they were so busy. And so we're looking forward to meeting a lot of new people. We're looking forward to seeing old faces. And we just invite everyone to come by and say hi. You don't have to be, oh, you don't have to be under 40 to, to attend our events. Mm-hmm. Um, we we want to meet our support members as well. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the membership is for 40 and under, but you do permit supporting members and next generation so tell us about that so supporting members um are those are for uh people that are 40 over 40 and the only difference between them and our members that are under 40 is they cannot run for an officer or director position on our board and they cannot chair our committees but they receive full voting rights as as well Okay. And how can people find out more information? Uh, for more information, you can, uh, if you're interested, we do have an online application, um, but we can also help you fill that out as well. You can uh, contact us um, by email at acbnextgen 
at gmail.com, acbnextgen at gmail.com. We also are on Facebook as well. well. I'll just give you guys my number for right now. If you have questions, you can contact me at 502-750-1774. Again, 502 Okay. Well, thank you very much, Amanda, and congratulations to ACB Next Generation. Well, thank you. We are very excited. Page 2. I'm on the Zoom line now with Patty Cox and Debbie Persons. They just returned last night, Wednesday, February 26, from the ACB uh, leadership meetings and the uh, legislative seminar and visit to Capitol Hill, what we used to call mid-year. Shirley Kane also made the trip with them, but she was unable to be on the call with us this morning, so we definitely miss her. But um, I want to chat a little bit with Patty and Debbie about what went on in Washington. This was Debbie's first trip, and so I want to get her impressions of the meeting. So welcome to Sound Prince, Patty and Debbie. Thank you. Um, tell us a little bit about, first of all, I guess the meeting on Sunday, the President's meeting, what we used to call President's meeting, now leadership meeting. I know that, Patty, since you've been there before, it started out with some things that, that we do every year because we want to make sure all the new people know about them, but started out with information about the, the walk and the auction and, um, the MMS program and all those things, but then there were other things that they um, discussed as well. So I'll just kind of open it up and let you all tell us what your impressions were of Sunday and maybe just one or two things that you thought might be helpful to, when you come back home. Who would like to start? I'll start. Go ahead, Patty. Um, I guess going each year, um, I feel that, that sometimes there's, repetitiveness but like the walk um they have a new song each year this year it's really upbeat i really like it um but it also um lets you know if they've made any changes to any of the um i i would call it fundraisers mm -hmm. um the walk um, mms mm -hmm. um, you know all outlets the wall and that kind of helps keep the affiliates in the know. Right. Um, if you don't read your emails or you're not on leadership, this is one way that those of us who do go get the information on any changes. That's and, a good um, point. I, I really think that that's good. Mm -hmm. They do it. But to those of us who've been, it is some, some repetitiveness. But you do get, um, you might get something new, you know, at, at one time. And those new people need to hear all of the ways that we can support ACB. Right, right. Um, one thing, I'm glad you mentioned the email, because one change that they're talking about making is um, making uh, ACBL, that list, more like it used to be years ago, where it's just an exchange of, of ideas and resources and so on, M making leadership a place for leadership issues and putting all of the announcements that people want to make over on the announce list and everybody will be automatically subbed for that when 
when the memberships get sent in and emails get get sent in. I'm not sure that's going to really be as effective as, as they think it is. We'll, we'll just have to see how that goes. It will certainly change the list, the list look a lot. That was one thing that, that's coming out of this we can, we can expect down the road. Um, Debbie, did you have anything on Sunday that you might um, think we would want to, um, want to particularly highlight? I remember there was some discussion about the upcoming convention Mm -hmm. and then uh, also where they're at and where the future conventions are going to be. Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. And that's always um, something of really a a lot of interest to people. Of course, this year's convention is in Schaumburg. Um, Next year it's in Phoenix, and the following year it's in Omaha. And Janet gave some good good information about that. The, The the things that were discussed on Sunday as well as the legislative seminar um, presentations will all be available uh, on the ACB radio website in the podcast soon. Right now they're airing on special event, uh, but the edited versions will be posted for, um, you know, continuing very soon. Let's talk about Monday. Monday was the kind of a training day for Capitol Hill as well as uh, had some other issues. So tell us a little bit about Monday. Uh, they talked about the imperatives that uh, we were there to learn about this week, this time, and mm-hmm. uh, things that we were going to bring to the House of Representatives and to the senators when we spoke with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Um, what were some of the things, you know, the imperatives can be, um, there's usually, they pick three major areas, but um, from past experience, I know that uh, when you get to Capitol Hill, you talk about the things that really are meaningful to either to, to the individuals that are going or to the state affiliate that you represent. So uh, tell us about what what you highlighted when you got to those offices on Tuesday and Wednesday? Well, since there were three of us and three imperatives, we sort of each took one of them. Um, I usually focused in on the uh, securing independence for Medicare beneficiaries, and that was so that they would include uh, low-vision appliances, devices for use by the people that are needing it. Instead, because they currently supply equipment for those in need of mobility, like wheelchairs and e-scooters and and walkers and such, but they totally exclude anything with lenses on it for those that are visually impaired. So we explained to them the need for that to be included in the process. Mm -hmm. And there is a bill that they're working on that is going to do a survey on how they think this will work out for them. Uh And then uh, Patty went ahead and talked about one, and then Shirley did. So Patty, you want to tell about yours? Uh, I I talked about the autonomous cars um, and how we need to be included um, with. They need to keep in mind that you know it's an autonomous car. We need to make sure that we can also hear the cars that they're you know as as pedestrians that we need to hear the cars. Um, not only that, that we can also drive the cars. There are cars that are autonomous that people can, you know, have to use, but 
you have to have a driver's license to use these autonomous cars. And if the car is driving itself, why would you need the driver in the car? We need to make it more accessible. Shelley discussed about being able to cross the street safely and for the the timing for us. So when we um, push the button and we walk across the street, that the lights are red longer for the cars. Because if a person's at a major intersection, they you start walking when the when the sign lets you go, but there's cars that might be turning left into our pathway to walk across in the crosswalk. And if we had a little more time, it would make it safer for us. Okay. All right. And so one other, I want to mention one other thing that Shirley does. Um, has done for the past couple of years. She has these glasses that show different visual impairments, Mm -hmm. and that has really drawn in the staffers that we speak to. Um, And it gives them an idea of what visually impaired people see on a daily basis and, and how they're looking at things. And she has about six or eight different ones, and they look through them, and it, they think it's pretty interesting. And that kind of gives a little more um, perspective on how and what we are wanting. And so it, it makes them more in tune to what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Debbie, you and took your new things. eyes with you, didn't you? Your new eyes glasses? Yes, I did. And I took the new eyes. I took a video magnifier and um, a monocular. So they got to see those things, and I actually demonstrated how they, the video magnifier would, would change things to the magnification depending on the size of print and the person's need. And did you tell them how expensive they were? Yes, yes, we did. <laughs> Very good. And, um, and with Shirley's glasses, the, we tried to emphasize the glaucoma and cataracts and macular degeneration <laughs> and uh, diabetes because that's the four that most people hear so much about. Correct. So, but she showed additional ones, and, and that really gave them a perspective more as to how it would be to be visually impaired. Mm-hmm. So how did you, how was the reaction from the staffers, and uh, did you get to meet with any of the members? I know this was a really, really busy time, so it was hard you know, to, what? yeah, with the veterans we up there, I think. meet with, with them, but... I feel a lot of times um, we have only met with um, one in in so many years that I'm, I'm just so used to talking to the staffers, and I feel that 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 is very important because um, you know they're the ones who talk to the constituents a lot, and they they have the idea of what the constituents are pushing for. Um, not just what the senator might think that they need, how they need to vote, even though we know that um, sometimes they vote across, you know, according to their party lines, but they know what we want by that staffer who speaks to um, not just us, but other other constituents. Right. Right. I I wanted to mention that I mentioned something to the senators. Um, The House bill 
the House passed a bill for the prescription drug coverage. And I sort of used, um, I mentioned about, you know, that prescription drug, and I, I used chastity and her insulin and how much a vial of insulin cost. And, you know, if she didn't have insurance, how much that would cost, the test strips. Um, they now have t- decided that you only need to test your blood sugar at so many times a day and she runs out of test strips so now she has to pay out of pocket Mm -hmm. for test strips Mm -hmm. and I also used um, some expensive uh, medication that that Adam even uses and how you you get in that donut hole at the end of the year Mm -hmm. and they were really Mm -hmm. receptive about that on the Senate side Mm -hmm. at McConnell and Rand Paul's office you know, and they said they're coming up with their own, but they're going to massage that into the House bill. They would like mm-hmm. to see some changes, but it it's a place to start. So mm-hmm. I also mentioned that because a lot of us have insurance, but you have to pay that copay. And when those copays are so high, um, some people might not be able to afford that medication that they need. I noticed that they also commented regarding the prescriptions that some of the states were going to encourage import in from safe manufacturers of other companies, mm-hmm. like out of uh, Connect for Canada, to ship them in for people to get cheaper drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and Rand Paul is the one that really mentioned that, and oh, mm-hmm. um, he's the one pushing for it. Yes, well, and and with him being a a doctor, that would be. Um, that would be that would be um, uh, a, a likely source of support for that kind of thing. I think that the going back to the to the the meeting with the staffers and meeting with the members, um, a lot of times the staffers are who really influence how the member votes. Um, you know, we we see a lot of press about the big bills. Um, the major bills and so on. But there are thousands and thousands of bills in Congress every year, both in the House side and the Senate side. And and you can tell that from the bill numbers because the bills start numbering at the beginning of a Congress at number one. And Congress goes for two years. So if you've got a bill number that's 4,328 on the Senate side, for example, then you know that they have... That is, when that bill was filed, it was the 4,328th bill filed for this session of Congress. Um, When you look at that uh, over a two-year period of time and all of those pieces of legislation, um, it's very important to talk with the staffers that handle the particular issues that you are interested in. Um, If you are interested in... um, prescription drug coverage or you're interested in low vision um, low vision uh, durable medical equipment for low for low vision products you don't want to be talking to a person that handles transportation so uh, or you don't want to be talking to someone that's involved with foreign affairs as much as you do that person who's handling the health issues and while there's overlap between all of these um, the staffers tend to have areas that they specialize in. So um, 
it sounds as if you were able to really get to some good interviews. Did you get to all of the offices? Were you able to meet with all six offices on the house side? Or um, I know that's sometimes hard, just really difficult to get them all in. So how did that go? We we did meet with all of them. However, one has moved over to a different building, so um, we thought that the appointment was going to be, you know, right behind the other one, mm-hmm. and we ended up having to um, split up. Debbie and Shirley went to actually two appointments mm-hmm. um, because we had two at the same time also, yeah. and I went to the other one, and it, it worked out really good. Um, going up and actually doing the house on one day, um, Mm -hmm. I think we would have more flexibility of getting those appointments a little further apart Mm -hmm. um, if we knew we had one day, but both Senate offices could not meet with us at all on Tuesday, and so we went Wednesday morning, and it worked out really good. Yes. Um, it's really hard to, saying, yeah, it's very difficult yeah. to go to the Senate side and then get over to the House side and work in six appointments after you get to the House side. It's not like just going next door. So um, if, if we had to, if we had done that, um, we would not have been at the airport on time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like exactly. There's no yep. way. Yeah. So we, um, I wanted to go back to what you said about talking to the staffers for that particular thing. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them were the transportation people yeah. Um, yeah. or the health people, mm-hmm. and they were going to let the other ones know. And um, so I was going to follow up on um, just a few of them to make sure that the person that takes care of the medical health side mm-hmm. of things, um, I wanted to make sure that they got it. So I was going to give them a couple of days make sure to call up there at the beginning of the week and make sure that they got the information. Right. And uh, Right. Yeah, you can't get both, and you all were doing both transportation issues and medical-related issues. So, you know, you pretty much had to pick one. You can't get two staffers in that meeting, and that's just really pushing the envelope. Um but uh, but there's so many other areas that they specialize in. So it's good if you get a staffer that that does um, that does uh, specialize in in some of the topics that you're talking about. So well, so Debbie, this was your first time. Um, would you go back? Yes, I believe I would. It, I found it to be very informative. Uh, you know, we were there for a purpose. I think we accomplished that purpose as best we could anyway. Mm-hmm. We learned a lot, and, and hopefully the senators and the House of Representatives people also learned what what we needed from them. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, good. Well, we sure appreciate you all taking all this time, the days to go and, and be there through the meetings and the, the Tuesday on the Hill and uh, Wednesday morning on the Hill to see the senators. And glad to know that that worked out well. And um, welcome back home. And we will look forward to uh, having you all tell us more about that Hill visit in meetings down the road. So thank you very much. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Page three. We will we will start uh, page turners and. Uh, 
Who has a uh, good book? Kelly, what do you read? There is one. It's called Eastern Kentucky Mount Memories, and basically it does. It, it's actually on board. It was recorded by the uh, Kentucky Talking Book Library, and of course, like I say, it's called Eastern Kentucky Mount Memories. It was uh, uh, written uh, written by Clifton Cottle, and the um, basically it's his memories of growing up in the mountains, maybe Eastern Kentucky, and his. Uh, uh, recollections and so forth. Of course the DB number, not many people will probably remember it, but in case you're actually going to remember the DBC 17574 is the number for that one. But if you put uh, this, the author's name in or just put East, Eastern Kentucky Mountain Memories, I'm pretty sure it had to come up rather quickly. Yeah. I R really enjoyed uh, seeing book by him because uh, um, I uh, he's from Lecture County and uh, I knew his father. I don't know him, but I knew his father. Wendy. Well, I said I had a book. Now I can't pull it up on my Kindle here, but it is so good because you just mentioned a book, Joey, about Eastern Kentucky and this book is also set in Eastern Kentucky. It's called The Book Women of Troublesome Creek. Ooh, oh, and, oh, have you? It's, oh, it's so wonderful. And it's true. It's The Book Women of Troublesome Creek. It's set in Eastern Kentucky. This is a real life thing that went on. It was part of the, oh, FDRs to get people out of the depression. Um, it they had women on horseback in rural Kentucky, well in rural Appalachia, who would get books, secondhand books that libraries were discarding, or that women's clubs can, uh, contributed, and these women would get on their horses and drive all over these rural uh, areas, and the story centers on this one particular woman who is. Um, a blue person. And this is true. Does anybody know? Don't we have two people here from Eastern Kentucky? She's a, a blue Fugit. A what? A blue Fugit. Yeah, the Fugits. The Fugit family from Kentucky who were actually blue. It was a recessive genetic issue that is now all but as all but extinguished them, itself. But it was a real true thing. So anyway, but the main person this is about was a blue person. And just like from a sociological state, like what was life like for people in rural Appalachia in the early 20th century, it was pretty rough. But it has it had a very happy ending, and, and it's a true story. Wendy, yeah. I'm just curious. I know you're from Indiana now. Are you a native? I'm a military brat. Oh, OK. So, you, so you're from all over then, right? Born in Japan. Carla, is, is this one of your ancestors? Oh. <laughs> I mean, but fugits. If it's a fugit, it is. I mean, they're all related. How could you not be? <laughs> can't, you can't be from Kentucky. Cannot be. Well. <laughs> That's where they get the phrase Uncle Dad. 
Now, it does say that this book is a novel, but... It is a novel. Yeah. 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 It is a novel. Right. Yeah, but the, but the situations were true. Deb Lewis, do you have a book for us this week? This one, I brought the title last month to give it to Sister Agnes. I'm wondering if she got to read it, but it was uh, Three Nuns from the Ranch. And it's by Sister Kathleen Cogan. It was on Bard, so, but I didn't write down the DB number. Um, it's about these three actual sisters, physical sisters, who grew up on a ranch. And they were part of a large family. There was another, they had another girl in the family, and I think two or three boys, I've forgotten. And they, they tell how they decided the three of them became nuns, and some of the stories that, funny things that happened to them. Uh, like they went on a, uh, at one point they went on a uh, vacation together and ended up helping a, an injured hiker. He, uh, and he, he was uh, part of a group of boys that were hiking. And uh, I think it was a scout troop. And he, he had broken his leg and he was laying on the path. And they, one of them decided she'd stay with him. And the other one went on ahead, but they needed something to keep the kid warm in. So the one lady took her shirt off Gave it to the covered the boy with it, and some other people came down the uh, down the mountain that were had been working up there, and they saw these nuns without their shirts on, and they were they got all upset about the they were um, it was a woman uh, guard from a prison, and she had a bunch of people out there working on the mountain, and you know she's bringing these guys down off the mountain, and then there's these women there, shirtless. And she really yelled at them until she found out that they were covering up an injured child. But then she let her group away pretty quickly, but he, they, they were able to get help for the kid, and he was all right. But there was all kinds of funny stories, and there are things that happened to these ladies when they were children, and it, it's just a light, easy, fun read. It'll make you smile. It, it, this is good. It just, I think it was only about five or six hours long. And it's Kogan. Um, the lady's name was Kathleen Kogan, C-O-G-A-N. I think Terry has asked by. These are two books um, about and by Eva Schloss, E-V-A-S-C-H-L-O-S-S. Um, and there are second authors, <clears throat> but they go together, and they're um, they're not novels; they're nonfiction. One is called Eva's Story: A Survivor's Tale from the Stepsister of Anne Frank. And although they're stretching it a little bit, <clears throat> Eva was um, grew up in the late 1920s and early 30s, was from a Jewish family, and of course, uh, we know what was happening. She was in uh, Austria, and wound up in um, Auschwitz and concentration camp. But it's a story, the first book is largely about her childhood and how things developed in Europe and about her concentration camp experiences. Um, the second book is called After Auschwitz and it focuses more on how she reclaimed herself and 
a great deal of how she reclaimed herself came from um, she was asked to speak publicly about her experiences and froze up and then suddenly found herself just telling her story. It just came out of her mouth. And she then started telling her story in all kinds of public um, venues where, you know, she was a, um, a person who was brought in to pre do the presentations. And so in the process of doing that, she really reclaimed her vivaciousness, her liveliness, her the, the person she was before all the all the horrible stuff happened to her. The books are both very well written. Um, the reason she claims to be the stepsister of Anne Frank is that after um, after people uh, World War II ended and the concentration camps were of course you know closed, and survivors uh, found one another, her mother had survived. And um, Anne Frank's father had survived, and they got to know each other, and were, became friends, and then married. So, in one sense, she was the stepsister of Anne Frank, and she also knew Anne Frank um, as a child. They were playmates. So, anyway, it, it, it the real joy of these books is not what she went through, but how she held on to who she was, and how she then reclaimed who she really should have been in her healing process. Well, I'm not sure if many people will like the book I'm going to tell you, but here goes. I've been reading, um, I like these, like, I like crime and detective and mystery books. So, um, I've been reading The Silence of the Lambs lately. And um, the series by Thomas Harris, um, it starts with Red Dragon. And it's in the Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal. And it's about the serial, um, the serial killers named, and the Red Dragon, his name is Francis Dollarhide. He goes after people in the full moon and makes movies of him killing them all. And um, there's this detective named Will Graham who goes and tries to investigate, ends up getting his face cut up and all. Um, but then there's the Silence of the Lambs where there's this, a guy who's kidnapping young women in order to make um, to make clothes out of them and um, there's a trainee from the FBI who goes to interview Hannibal Lecter about it and so um, hope I didn't give you all nightmares with my book the movie is pretty freaky not as freaky as the book but um, I don't know but um, it puts the lotion on his skin or it gets the hose again so yeah that's my book. All right, so I actually um, have read, and I hope they come out with another one of these because they're so good. But it's a series. It's by Andrea Kane, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you all the first. Basically, okay. So what it's about is it's a it's a it's a private investigative team um, called Forensic Instincts. And uh, the first series in the book is called The Girl Who Disappeared Twice. So they're a private investigator team, and they go out and they, you know, they help their clients. It could be anything from, you know, uh, kidnapping to, you know, somebody, you know, stalking or whatever. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's uh, they're very good books. She knows how to make you not want to put a book down, that's for sure. 
Um, but there's six books about them. Uh, I mean, she writes other books too, and I haven't read them, but she, there's six, six of the books. Um, but the first one, you know, if you can read them in order, I would do that. I know most of them are on Bard. Some of them are on audio, or Audible, I mean. I don't know if y'all have audio or Audible. But uh, the, the Girl Who Disappeared Twice is on Bard. Um, I would recommend it, definitely. I just wanted to ask everybody in general, does, I never see anybody on the Goodreads app that, that I know from the blind, visually impaired community. Is anybody on Goodreads? Oh really? Oh, I'm on it. I'm in fact, but just as of last year, I got on it, and they really push you in the beginning of the year to set a book challenge for yourself. And last year, when I first joined it for the first time, I thought oh, I can read a hundred books in a year. That's two a week. I could do that. I'm a very well. Before my vision changed, I was an extremely fast reader, and. Now I'm just an extremely fast listener. But anyway, <laughs> yes it is, yes it is. But uh, my, uh, my big total was uh, 54 for the year. So this year I set it at 50 and I've already read 12 books since January 1st, not bad, not bad. Thank you, thank you. But I don't have a lot of friends on the Goodreads app. Um, you know, like, because not that many people I know like to read. So that's all I had to say. Yeah. This is Adam. And I might also mention uh, that another good place to go with other readers is Library Without Walls, which is a bi-monthly, or uh, every two months. Bi-monthly makes it sound like it's twice a month sometimes. But anyway, it's a conference call with uh, people mostly who are members of the Library Users of America, LUA, and of course Tri-State Library is a chapter of that. They usually have about 25 or 30 people on this call and they have a subject each time. Uh, sometimes it, it might be uh, cookbooks, sometimes it might be historical fiction, sometimes it might be a series of books, uh, suspense novels, etc. But they set the subject and then people on the call will talk about uh, one or two books that they've read in that genre and they, they are very knowledgeable about books that they read. I, I'm a heavy reader but I cannot remember names of authors and titles a lot of times, but these people really know their books. But it's a lot of fun. Uh, you can get on there and just listen if you want to. You don't always have to talk about a book. Uh, some of them talk about two or three books. It just depends on, on the call. So they just have one this month. It's usually on, what, Bill, the third Wednesday? It's the third, the third Wednesday of the month and it usually starts about 8.30 Eastern Time and they, they always make me feel so unprepared because, because yeah. I'll, have, I'll have the title, I'll have the author, I'll have the BART number and I get on there and they start, they start talking about 
how long the book is, how many hours, how many minutes, how many seconds, and they they, they start talking about you know the narrators, and uh, and and I they make me feel unprepared, and so I anymore I, I try to keep my my mouth shut on that call. <laughs> yeah, Jane Crone. Where she live, Carla, in Northern Virginia or Maryland? Maryland. And uh, she sends out the list. Let's see, they met Wednesday, so it will probably come out. Uh, it, it'll probably come out Saturday or Sunday. She usually does it the weekend following the meeting, and uh, she does an outstanding job. So that's a list of the books that are reviewed on, on the Library Without Walls conference call. And... Uh, if you're interested in calling in on that in March, we'll certainly be uh, publicizing the phone number, the conference call number, and uh, letting you know when that's going to be. So, but it's a lot of fun if, if you want to get in on it. Well, I, have, I have a book that's an older book, and I at one time had it in Braille, um, and then I don't know what happened to it, but I have found it on Bookshare, and this is not a book of fiction or anything. It's called, um, so if you like hobbies and making things, it's called Recipes for Art and Craft Materials. And it's by Helen Roney, R-O-N-E-Y, Satter, Sattler, S-A-T-T-L-E-R. The book copyright is from um, the 1973 and then again copyrighted in the mid-80s. It has all kinds of things like glues and stamp gum and uh, envelope, you know, sticker stuff and all this. But the part that I really liked, uh, oh, and it tells you what to do with all this different stuff like collage and decoupage glue. You know, you can watch out, you'll stick yourself to something. But, but the part that I really liked was the one on modeling compounds. And, um, and so some of the things, just a, just a sample, they, it says preparing natural clay, quick and easy modeling dough, and of course we all know about the play clay that you make, you know, you can make with the flour and stuff and color it up for kids. Uh, cooked salt and flour clay, uh, but they also have interesting things like brown bread modeling dough. They've got a recipe for um, uh, the modeling compound made out of your dryer lint. But it also gives you, and the part I really like, was it had a compound for making modeling, what you could call clay or dough, out of out of sawdust. Well, if you make it out of sawdust. It, it's, wood, it's wood color. And so in the book it suggested, you know, uh, sand it down and, it, and it's almost like you've got a wood item. Of course it's not, but you have created that item. So the, the thing is just filled with all kinds of little recipes like that. And none of them are hard. Some of them require some things that are pretty strange, but most of them are things that you just have around the house. So anyway, it's recipes for art and craft materials. And even though it's an old book, it would be just as fun to use today. And, and not just with kids. I mean, fun for adults to make things too. So that's it, Bill. Page four, the Soundprints calendar. 
February 28th is the GLCB Roundabout, Education and Technology, 3.30 to 5, Tip Sheet, 5 to 5.30, Page Turners, 5.30 to 6, Dinner, 6 to 7, $6 per person, Word and Trivia Games, Cards, and Other Activities from 7 to 9.30. At United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, call 502-895-4598 to sign up. On March 1, ACB Families will hold its next peer support group meeting. Participate from anywhere in the country by calling 712-432-3900 and entering code 796096. On March 4, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have a support group meeting by conference call at 8 p.m. 669-900-6833. The access code is 3572-595-193. On March 5, the American Council of Blind Lions will hold its monthly conference call at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. This is an opportunity for lions throughout the country to share how to be involved in their local clubs. 9 p.m., call 712-432-3900 and enter code 796096. On March 6, GLCB Roundabout will be from 3.30 to 9 p.m. Education and Technology, 3.30 to 5. Discussion time, 5 to 6. Dinner, 6 to 7. Bunko, cards, and other activities from 7 to 9.30 at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598 to sign up. March 8. Kentucky Council of the Blind Next Generation Chapter Meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time by phone. The number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 3572-595-193. On March 9, ACB Next Generation will have a nationwide conference call at 8.30 p.m. The number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 3572-595-193. March 10, Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired Savvy Meeting from noon to 2 p.m. Central Time. Join us for a light lunch, soup and sandwich, and an opportunity to share ideas and information at the Wesleyan Heights United Methodist Church, 1215 Sherm Road in Owensboro. Call 270-684-4418 or 270-686-8689 for more information. March 11, Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will hold its monthly conference call meeting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 605-475-4700 and enter code 155619. March 12, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have its March membership meeting from noon to 2 p.m. Share information about the 2020 Vision Campaign, the Silver Initiative, the Wood Turning Project, and more. We are encouraging members to invite potential members and to be sure you've renewed your 2020 BCB membership. At the BCB Community Room in Lexington, call 859 859- Two five nine one eight three four for more information. March twelve is the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision Support Group meeting. This is an in-person meeting from one thirty to three thirty p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. 
For more information, call 502-895-4598. March 13, GLCB Roundabout, Education and Technology, 3.30 to 5, Discussion Time, 5 to 5.45, Dinner, 5.45 to 6.30, Attendance at the American Printing House for the Blind Reader's Theater, from 7 until 8.30. For more information and to sign up, call 502-895-4598. March 14, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Board Meeting, 11 a.m. by conference call, 605-475-6006, intercode 294444. March 14, Savvy Bowling Outing, 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. Central Time, at Bolodrome at 600 East 14th Street in Owensboro. Register by calling 270-686-8689 by noon on March 13. March 15, ACB Families Business Meeting, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Participate from anywhere in the country by calling 712-432-3900 and entering code 796096. March 16, Kentucky Council of the Blind Board Meeting, 8 p.m. Eastern, by phone. Call 669-900-6833 and enter code 357-259-5193. March 18, Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision, conference call. This is a support group meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Call 669-900-6833. Enter access code 3572-595-193. March 20, GLCB Roundabout. Education and Technology, 3.30 to 5. Discussion time, 5 to 6. Dinner, 6 to 7. Bingo, 7 to 9.30. For more information and to sign up, call 502-895-4598. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.